If you would join me now in taking your copy of God's Word, His Word we believe is perfect all that perfect all that it teaches and is without error. If you take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to a passage that we are familiar with, and as 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. So 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, or chapter 11, sorry, verses 17 through 34. Now we're familiar with this passage uh, because it's the passage we read every time, or most of the times we come before the Lord's Supper. It's the words of institution. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, saying this is how you as a church, you as a people are to come before the Lord's table. So as we read it, we'll probably be familiar with it. Uh, So this morning, we're going to use that in part to prepare us for the table. But it'll also serve as as our passage as we continue to look at the church, our our Church 101 series, and how God intends for us as His people individually and collectively as His church to be a means of grace people and church. God has given us His means of grace, word, prayer, and sacrament, for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For us to do that individually, do it together as the church. And so last Lord's Day, uh, we looked at the scriptures as God's means of grace. His word to us as a means of grace. And so this morning, as we prepare to come before the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and we're going to look at how God intends both sacraments, baptism and Lord's Supper, to be a gracious use for our good. And so we will use 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34 for that this morning. So let me pray for us as we come now before God's word together. We pray to you this morning, our good God and Father, praying that you would indeed forgive our sins and trespasses, that you would send to us your Holy Spirit to illuminate us, so we may have the true understanding of your perfect and holy word. Give us your grace, the grace we need, so we may handle it rightly. Rightly for the glory of your holy name, rightly for the edification of us as a church, and rightly for our own good edification. Do this, we pray now, in the name of the one who the word is all about, one who is grace, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34 Join me now in standing for the reading of God's Word. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? So what shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, no, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why so many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. So we may not be condemned along the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let them eat at home. So that, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. When the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. At some point in, in their lives, all of my children have loved to play the game hide and seek. And that's unusual, right? Most kids love to play that game. And I enjoyed watching them play that game. And sometimes I'll play it with them, but often they play it with each other. But especially when they were younger, because they were so bad at hiding. You've played hide-and-seek with little kids, right? And what do they do? They, they go stand against the wall, right? Like, like you can't see them. Or, or they get behind curtains and their, their feet are sticking out, their hands are sticking out. Or they hide behind the couch and they're giggling. And you watch them play and you realize, man, they could not hide well even if their life depended on it. So it's a fun game for them. Hide-and-seek, it's fun. And so uh, they would have fun times with this fun game. Sadly, I think there are many Christians who still play hide-and-seek. Or they believe they're playing hide-and-seek with God. And that's not a fun game to play. Because on our end of the game, we play it like we're Adam and Eve. And we think that we can hide our sins and our sinfulness from God. Right? We, we do it in private. We, we keep it away. Surely God won't do it. We have Adam and Eve hiding behind the bush and God come to look for them. And they think, oh, we can hide from the creator of all. We can hide from the sovereign providential God of all. Right? We're like Adam and Eve. We think we can hide away our sins and sinfulness to God. That's always a foolish thing to do because what can we truly hide from God? But on the other end of that game, I think there are many Christians who believe that God hides from them. That God is off running away, hiding from them. And so they're left running around. They're desperately trying to, to find him, yet he can't truly be found. So we look here and there. We, we, we don't think God can truly be found. And so when we see our faith that way, this unfun game hide and seek with a God who is actively and constantly trying to hide from us, it can't help but determine how then we will relate to God. If this is our God who's always trying to hide from us, he becomes a God who's distant, who's uncaring, who's unapproachable. And that's our idea, if that is our idea, if that is our idea of God, then our faith can't help but crumble underneath the view of this. Who who would want to follow a God? Who would want to love a God who doesn't want to be found by you? But we see that view out in the church. We see it with Christians. That's why you have this whole, uh, this whole fad now of, of deconstructing your faith, which is just a fancy way of saying, I just don't want to be a Christian anymore, and I just want to sound very intelligent about it. 
Why? Why did I do this? Why, why did I walk away from the faith? Why, why did I turn to, to mystical ways? I had to go look for God in this sort of you know, unconventional way. Why does it lead them to other religions? Because if we believe in a God who hides from us, that's not a God who's loving. But the good news we find is that God doesn't play hide and seek with his people. He isn't actively and constantly trying to hide from us. It's the other end of that. God makes sure he is known by his people. God makes sure that he is known by us. So I was sharing with the, the children earlier, and we're entering one of my favorite times of the year. I love October and, and fall time and going into Thanksgiving month, right? No longer November, it's just Thanksgiving month and then into Christmas. But think about the beauty of fall time and that's coming here around us. That we have the beauty and grandeur of creation and nature declare, that declares there's a God. The psalmist tells this wonderful exposition of this in Romans 1 where Paul says you can't truly be an atheist. Right? You, have no, you have no reason for it because you can go outside and, and, and the whole world declares there's a God, the, the wonder and grandeur of creation and nature. All we have to do is step outside. All we have to do is look out our window and all the world declares there's a God. At, our, at the church we served, the White Oak Church in Georgia, a large number of men in the, in the congregation were devoted hunters. On the first day of gun season, there was nothing scheduled in the church. Uh, and you know, if anything needed to be done, you wait until the evening, because from sunup to sundown, uh, those guys are going to be out in the woods, and they're going to be up in their deer stands. They were devoted hunters. And interesting, interestingly, talking to them, many, many of them would say that what they enjoyed most about hunting wasn't the actual hunting. What they enjoyed most was being out in the silent beauty of creation and meditating on God. So one of the things they loved was to, to climb up in their deer stand. And as the sun rose and the world kind of woke up around them, that would, that would be some, some of their best times of prayer, being out in the beauty and grandeur of creation and nature because it declares there's a God. God doesn't hide from us. He's given us this world and the beauty of this world to declare there is a God. But more so than that, God has made himself personally known in and through the glory of Jesus Christ. The God of all things, the God who created all this, has made himself personally known in and through the second person of the Trinity who is God incarnate, God in the flesh. As we prayed earlier, 100% man and 100% God. How can we say that God hides from us when he has given us Jesus Christ? He, he tells us it was in Christ that the fullness of the deity was pleased to dwell. So this wasn't just a representative. This wasn't just an ambassador. That the fullness of the deity, the fullness of the triumph of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus Emmanuel. And Jesus will tell his disciples that to know him is to know the Father. That the triumph of God has made himself known in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're preparing for here in the next couple or in the next couple of months, aren't we? As we come to Advent and to Christmas, what are we celebrating? We're not just celebrating a birth. We're celebrating the birth of God himself, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, that he was pleased to come and tabernacle with his people. 
We don't have a God who hides from us. We have a God who has come to us. Born in a manger. Lived in that time. Sent to us His Holy Spirit. We know God through Christ because God has made Himself known in and through Christ. And so when our faith is in Jesus, then we're able to understand that God wants us to know him more and better and deeper, and he's given us a means to do it. And that's what we're looking at, is the means of grace. And that's part of his purpose for these means, to make himself known to us more and more through use of these means so we can grow in him more and more. That, that's the purpose of the word. That's the purpose of prayer. That's the purpose of, of the baptismal font and, and the table. It's God making himself known to us more and more so we can grow in him more and more. So we can think of the means of grace as a game of hide and seek. We go off in the corner. We start counting 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And we go and we look for God. We find he's never hidden. He's made himself known and his triumph glory in Christ and through the means of grace. So whenever we seek God, we find he's literally standing in front of us, his arms up in the air, he's, he's waving his hands, he's saying, look, I'm right here. You, you don't have to go looking at other religions, you don't have to go looking at other mystical ways, you don't have to walk away from faith. I'm right here in the word, in prayer, in the sacraments. Through faith in the Holy Spirit, you can always find me in every page of your Bible, in every whispered prayer, and every time you take the elements of the bread and the cup and, and, and baptism. God isn't hidden, folks. He's right here. And as I've said the past couple of weeks, that this flies in the face of those Christians who, who want that mysterious and mystical way of knowing God. Because essentially, what, what are they saying? The word isn't enough. The sacraments aren't enough. Prayer isn't enough. God has to give me a special way. Me and God have this, this deal. It's not for anybody else. It's called Gnosticism. Read the Gospel of John to see what God thinks of Gnosticism. So do you want to find God? Do you want to know God? It's very simple. Read your Bible. Pray. And come before the sacraments. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. These are the means of grace that God's given to us. He's given to us so we can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so we can grow to be more Christ-like. The word, the prayer, the sacrament, these are the means to help us know our God better, deeper, and more. And for many of us, we get down some noble level noble level with scripture, don't we? This is God's word, right? This is about God. We're getting about prayer, right? Because in prayer we're, we're talking to God and we pray in Jesus' name. But I think if we're honest, we come to sacraments and those are a little bit, a little bit mysterious to us. How, how, how do they work? What, what do they do? Well, some of us come from backgrounds where the sacraments, are, they're, they're, they're given, they're taken, but they're, they're more memorial than spiritual. They're just something we're supposed to do in, in, in remembrance. Uh, something we do in remembrance that really has no current value in them. 
And we just, we, we go and do it. And like, oh yeah, we, we remember Jesus, that's great. It's just something we do because we're supposed to do. And some of us, we want to place too much spirituality in them. As if this is the, the Super Bowl of grace. That there's something so wonderfully mystical about the, about the elements that, 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 that heightens the, the spirituality. They have some mysterious spiritual power that's apart from God. Yet that's not how Scripture handles these. We, we see it in our passage. Paul's given the Corinthian church instructions on, on how to come before the meal. And, and, and what's the emphasis on? It's the emphasis on how God works through the meal. It's the emphasis on how the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does with this. He didn't tell the Corinthian church, like, look, all right, guys, it's just a memorial service, all right? Try not to mess it up too much. Quit getting drunk. Try not to mess it up too much. Also, on the other hand, he doesn't say, look, y'all, this is really super spiritual. And you've got to be super spiritual to come and take it. And if you're not super spiritual, uh, then it's going to do no good for you. No, the emphasis is on what God does through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It's what the intention is of grace in it. And so we, we find our confession of faith sums it up, uh, the biblical teaching on the significance of baptism and Lord's Supper this way. Sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace. They are immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and his benefits and to confirm our interest in him. Now here's the thing with our confession. They were written a couple centuries ago and they used language of that time. Language that's not always familiar to us. So we read all right, holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace. What does that mean? Well, language of a seal, if we think back to the olden times when, when a king would send a, a letter or a scroll, he would wrap it up. What would he do? He would put his wax insignia on it. And what did that wax insignia signify? This is from the king. This isn't from your neighbor. This isn't from some schmo down the street. This is from the king himself. So you need to take it seriously. The sacraments are the holy seals instituted by God of the covenant of grace. These validate the faith entrusted to us by God. It says to us what scripture teaches is true. Everything that's said about Jesus is true. And I'm giving you sacraments, a baptism and a Lord's Supper, to tell you it's all true. That it assures and strengthens us in our relationship with God. So it's the, it's the seal of faith that this is all true. Then a sign is a visible action which symbolizes something. It, it, it points to something. So, so what does baptism point us to? What does this table point us to? Ourselves? Look how good I am, so baptize me? Look how great I've been this week, so let me take this meal. No, we know that. It points us to Jesus Christ, who he is, and to his perfect life, to his obedience, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. It points us to Christ. So it's a seal of the faith of Christ. It's a sign that points us to Christ. Augustine said that sacraments are visible signs of invisible grace. And that's how we look at them. 
These are visible signs of a visible grace. They've been given to assure and strengthen us in our relationship with God. And so that's why they've been given to us by God for our spiritual good. They represent Christ and his benefits. The fount, the table, represent Christ and his benefits. They, they point to the Savior, point to the blessings which flow from a vital relationship with him. And it's a reminder that we're not to come to these perfect. Right? We're not supposed to build, you know, accrue some sort of, uh, or build up some sort of you know, spiritual goodness to be able to come to them. No, 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 we come to them because we're broken people. We come to them because we need Jesus. We baptize our children because our children need Jesus. We come to this table and we take the bread and the cup because we need Jesus. So the great hymn says, I need thee every hour. That's what these sacraments declare to us. Here is your Jesus and you need your Jesus. They point us to him. So where we come to, we may be pointed to him in that way that we may continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our God because they point us to him. That baptism points us to Christ's promise of engagement to be our Lord and Savior. That communion points us to all that Christ did to be our Lord and Savior. If you want to find God, you're in the right place. It's a word, prayer, and sacrament. Through the working of grace and the Holy Spirit, when we come to these means by faith, this is where we find God. Not in a physical sense. We're not, we're not Catholic. We don't believe in transubstantiation where the bread turns into the physical body of Jesus or the, the cup turns into his actual blood. We don't believe in that. We believe he meets us here in a very spiritual sense. That through the Holy Spirit and baptism he takes the water. And in the Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit he takes the elements of bread and juice and he imparts on them a spiritual use. So when we take them in faith, he enables them to help us grow in faith. So do you want to know God better, deeper, and more? Do you want a more authentic faith in Christ to grow to be more like Jesus, to live as a disciple of Jesus? It's not mystical, it's not rocket science, it's right here. Come to his word, come to prayer, come to sacrament. Read the word in faith, pray in faith, Come to the sacraments in faith and find that these are the means that God has given to us to know him better, deeper, and more. It's the means of grace to help us grow in grace. It's the means of grace to help us grow to be more like Jesus who is grace. So in faith in the one who is grace and the means of grace he's given us, let's prepare now to come together before this table of grace. Pray with me.